Tigers will love that. Download our app today and enjoy tackle-busting benefits with great odds, more markets, and same-game multi every NRL match at Palmer Bed. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Hello and welcome to episode 424 of Thurgood on the Freak. I'm that Boston Rugby League project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRLP. And join me as always as a glorious League Freak. You can also find me on Twitter at League Freak. How you going there, mate? I'm going pretty well, Andrew. Uh, this is a, a different episode for us. We're recording during daytime hours. Yeah. And I will probably have a snoring little dog next to me and Lucy. And you are on child duties. That's right. This is the... Uh, this is the uh, babysitting episode mm. for both of us. Mm, pretty much, I've, pretty much. I've got a, I've got a, quite a hefty library of magazines and books here, as you'd expect from a uh, historian and statistician. Mm-hmm. And uh, my little bloke here, he's just decided that, um, fuck that. Yeah, just tear them apart. <laughs> just rip them apart. Yeah. Um, and being the responsible father, I'm going, go for it, son. Yeah, as long as he doesn't eat too many of the magazines, he should be fine. Yeah. Every now and then he'll he'll go to the bottle of scotch I've got in the corner. Um, yeah. And then when he does that, he's <laughs> quite pleased with himself, aren't you, mate? Uh, yeah, he'll he'll get into that and then have a nap. Well, I was going to say it'll mellow him out, but considering the last name he's having, he'll probably get violent. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Still happens. Oh shit! Well, there's been a fair bit happen over the week. Um, we saw all the halfbacks in the NRL get, you know, taken out. That was pretty cool. Uh, we saw the West Tigers just decide that the best place for West Tigers to be is not at the West Tigers. And uh, the starting to prevail. Yeah, fine. Like, I can't argue with them. And uh, I don't know if you know this, but Adam O'Brien has been part of four grand finals, four of them. Four. Four, grand, four grand finals. He's been part of this, four grand has finals. Has this come out in the media this week? Oh, yeah. He made sure that he's been part of four grand finals. You might not have heard it, but he made everyone know he was part of four grand finals. And that's always good for a coach that can't coach. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, that, that's, uh, I, I thought that the, uh, the Adam O'Brien stuff might have been the media doing that for him to try and protect him. because you Nah. Know, have you not gone- seen his press conference? No, I'd, oh I don't watch his press conferences because all they are are just him taking the blame. Well, he, he, it was, it was, look, I thought it was a little bit pathetic. He literally said, look, I've been part of four grand final winning teams and I know how to win and you don't forget how to win. It's like, well, can you fucking apply some of it, dude? Okay. So you don't forget how to win. Uh, really sounds has, like it. Has a look at the NRL ladder. <laughs> third last and yeah. uh with the worst points difference and I, I dare say like in the worst form of any team in the nrl they've got the worst defense in the comp worse mm. than the team that considered 70 points in a game earlier this year but the thing to remember is that he's been part of four grand final winning clubs and uh look you can't take that away from him you can just take away his head coaching job. Yeah. Um, which grand finals was he a part of? The Brewsters ones. He Doing was what? what he the was, same stuff Brayton Astor does. Yeah, it was an assistant coach there, I guess. Right. 
Right. Which, like, that's it's just not how you talk. Like, no, yeah. it's well, it's the way you talk when you know that they're starting to get a few whispers about we don't think you're very good. Yeah, yeah. So and, you start saying the stuff you need to say to try and make people go, oh, hang on, no, we better hang on to him. He might be onto something here. Yeah. Uh, just a heads up for the Knights. You know, you're not onto anything with him. Fuck him off mm-hmm. because you've got a bunch of good genius coming through. You've got a bloke you've just signed up for $35 million for the next 37 years. Um, you need to start capitalising on that shit fast. Yeah, yeah. It's Look, imagine if I said to you in in uh, two and a half years from now, Cameron Seraldo is going to be talking about how he was an assistant coach of the Panthers. You'd be like, oh, shit's going bad. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> when you start talking up the jobs where you were um, doing – lesser role than when, what you currently are as a way mm. of trying to prop up justifying your current existence. Mm-hmm. Like, you wouldn't hear uh, um, Anthony Albanese, for example, go, you know, when he's under, if he comes under pressure as prime minister going, yeah, but you know what? When I worked at Macca's and I was 16, I was the second best fry cook they had. I don't know. That sounds like it, something it, a politician would do. But it's, it's not going to prop up your standing within the community. They're not going to sit there and go, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember having one of those burgers back in 1961. They were pretty good. We'll keep him on as Prime Minister a bit longer. And it doesn't work that way. It's it's funny you mention that because I saw a, a video on Twitter, I think it was yesterday, and it was one from, it must have been the 80s, and Joe Biden was having a, a like a small public forum with just, it seemed like it was in a small room with just local people and uh, somebody challenged him on something and he said, well, I had, I went to this school and um, I had a full scholarship and I graduated in the top half of my class and all this sort of stuff. And it turned out it was all lies. Like he was on a partial scholarship. He finished in the, it was like in the bottom three of his class and all this sort of stuff. And he said he misremembered, which is what uh, all politicians know how to say. I think that that yeah. kicked in first time when um, Bill Clinton uh, we don't want to get too unsavoury with what Bill Clinton did with his intern, but he, uh, he fucked his I think intern with knows. a cigar. Yeah, yeah he yeah. fucked his intern with a cigar and then jizzed all over her uh, blue blue um, dress. Dress, yeah. But we, yeah. Like, we don't want to get into the details of it. No, no. Um, just give me a sec to check that out on the computer there. Oh, now I remember. A few quiet moments. <laughs> uh, it's funny. It's almost like um, in order to be a politician, you need to first be having um, signs of onset uh, Alzheimer's. Yeah, yeah. And then we'll hire you because the, a, a good politician is a forgetful politician. I just I love the way that uh, all of a sudden it's a political podcast. Welcome to yeah. the uh, what can we call it? It needs to always be called like the uh, something hour or. You know, stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, it's funny how they're all really forgetful or yeah, they, they're just classed as, like, being extremists because they say stuff like, I don't think politicians should be flying around the world all the time. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's very true. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel, though, we should probably venture back towards rugby league before we start getting extremists. Yeah, we'll just, you know, <laughs> be tagged somewhere. Yeah. Um, because that's what we would do, not not because that's our beliefs, but because we just know it'll piss people off, and that's kind of what we like doing. Yeah, true. Now, um, all of the halfbacks are basically out this week. So Jackson Hastings broke his leg. 
and he's out for Well, the- let's be honest. He didn't break it. Now, I didn't see the tackle. Yeah, so someone's came in and tackled him from behind, but there's a, they've done those hip drop ones. Mm-hmm. So he's already standing in a tackle. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember if it was one or two players were holding him up, but he's still standing in a tackle. Someone's tackled him from behind around the waist, and they've gone to pull him back. Mm-hmm. As they've done that, they've fallen on the back of his calf. Yeah. And his foot was still, um, you know, in the in the wrong way, I guess, for someone to do that to you. And then yeah. they've fallen on the back of his leg. He's got pushed over backwards, and his ankle never moved. So you just know yeah. that that thing was getting snapped no matter what. Okay. And what happened. Um, now, was was he still running? Like, because people sometimes call it a hip drop when you're getting tackled from behind. No. So he was standing. Like, the, the tackle had stopped him, so he was standing. Oh, okay. And the, the hip drop came after. So he was being wrestled to the ground, so to speak. Okay. The thing that frustrated me, and it's a West Tigers thing again, mm-hmm. um, you'd think they would have learned from when Simon Dwyer got injured. He's broken yeah. his ankle, right? Mm-hmm. He's on the ground. He's in fucking agony. Mm-hmm. And it's like a few minutes he's on the ground mm-hmm. in excruciating pain. Of course he is. He's broken his fucking leg. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, his ankle. And then shortly after, you seem trying to walk it off. No. Yeah. The trainers just stand around watching like It's almost like they've said, just see if you can walk on it. And going, no. If it hurts that much, he's obviously not going to play. Carry him off the fucking field. Yeah. Well, that that was the thing about the – and it was shocking when you saw it with Simon Dwyer in that, like, he was obviously in a terrible situation – and yeah. like they were sort of dragging him. It was like they were dragging him off the field. And it's like, what well, the fuck are you doing? He had one person on one side. So they're trying to just prop up one side and try and walk off the other and going, it's spinal damage. Yeah. <laughs> like he Crazy. would have told you, I can't feel one side of my body. You could see his face had dropped on one side. Going, yeah. There's something wrong. <laughs> and they're going, oh, we'll just half help you off the field. You can do the rest. You've got two legs. Only one's not working. Yeah, and look, I've, I've broken my leg really badly when I was younger, and you kind of know when you've you, – your body knows when something is broken, broken, you know? Yeah. Um, it, it's not like something where you get a strain or – it's like you hear it. You hear your bone break. Yeah. So, you, yeah. You really do. It's it's pretty clear. Yeah, and it's a weird one because it's because it's part of your structure of your body. You hear it in – within your core, you know, it goes through your body, the, I guess, the concussive force of your bone given way. So, um, yeah, pretty, pretty crazy that uh, they'll try and make you walk it off. That's the West Tigers for you. Uh, now, while we're talking about the West Tigers, let's talk about the... Uh... <laughs> Sorry, my little fellas going to laugh here. That's all right. That's all right. Yes, let's, go on. Let's talk about the the way the West Tigers, and I said this during the week, they've got this weird thing where they they seem to bend over backwards to help the Melbourne Storm. All right. Now, and I got some pushback on this. So this goes back to when they swapped Momorowski uh, from the Storm with the Storm for Harry Grant last year, right? Yep. Now, the thing I, I got pushback on was, well, we got Harry Grant for a year, and that was good for the West Tigers. And all I could think, because this year what they've done is they're loaning out David Norfoluma to the Melbourne Storm for the rest of the year for no for no reasons, right? Yeah. So last year, here's my thinking with it. 
Last year, the Melbourne Storm had to give Harry Grant a first-grade start to hold on to his contract, right? That's right. If they didn't do that, Harry Grant was going to leave the Storm contract and just be a free agent. Yep. So the Storm works out a deal with the Tigers. The Tigers say, yeah, we've got a place for him. The Tigers play him for a year, and I understand it was fun to watch him play, right? I really do. But the way I see it long-term is you lose 12 months of developing a hooker that will be a West Tiger going forward. You allow the Storm to develop their hooker at your club on your time. You allow them to keep that hooker full-time, and you lose Momorowski anyway. Like, Momorowski doesn't come yeah. back. That, so, that's the thing, okay. With, with a, I, I look at it in a more simple way. If I'm letting, you know, if I'm the Tigers and I'm letting a player go, Momorowski go to the Storm, mm-hmm. and we're taking Harry Grant, I do it because I'm thinking Momorowski's staying long-term for the Tigers, so the, the Storm are going to help with his development while we help with Harry Grant's and keep Harry Grant happy. Mm-hmm. And everyone, everyone wins in that arrangement. Okay, so the reason, right. the reason why the Storm likes the Tigers then is because Bellamy essentially showed um, Maguire what he wants when it comes to developing players and stuff like that. So they know each other and what they want out of that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, look at Harry Grant. It worked for, for the Storm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's the only way I'd be looking at it. It would be, it'd be, we want you to develop this player, and in return we'll look after this one for you in the same way, like a quid pro pro sort of thing. But now, I, I get the that. The Tigers knew they weren't going to get Momorowski. They, they'd already let him go. Yeah. So, so, and that works if it's a piece that you need. Like, you're a team that is coming towards the finals and you're like, man, we haven't got a hooker. All of a sudden you get Harry Grant in the side and it's like, boom, I get that. If it's yeah. that situation. They never got close to the finals last year. No. But the thing, though, I mean, the Tigers, though, had thought that um, we've got Little. He's already been developed. Mm. So we don't need to develop another hooker. We've got him. It's all set. That was their attitude to it. Mm. Problem mm. is, and that's fine, but the problem is they sent the wrong player down. Mm. They should have sent down another centre that we had, who we had every intentions of playing. Mm-hmm. We had a few juniors who were coming through now. I could have sent one of those down. Mm. That would have been much better for the club and for those young players' development. Instead, they sent Momorowski down, who was already leaving, which was just stupid. The yeah. Tigers got zero out of it. Yeah. The Storm got to keep Harry Grant. Now, coming into this year, they we get to this point where they they just give North Luma up. Now, the, the the thing is that they won't have to pay the North Luma's contract for the rest of this season, at least. That's which, right. prob- which is probably a few hundred thousand dollars, right? Um, knowing the Tigers. You know, yeah, knowing the Tigers. Now, it probably will allow them to upgrade contracts of players that are there, which, you know, I guess that's something. But Well, it, it doesn't really because Nofaluma is only released for the end of this season. Yeah. He's still under contract for the remaining, I think he signed for another three or four fucking years after this. So he's still on the books for that. So it doesn't actually give them any actual genuine cap relief. Um, yeah, it's more a bonus for this year that they can go to a junior and say, look, we can give you another, hundred, say, $100,000 to this year. Well, it's probably, I think the only way it would work is it would come to a player who would be on match payments because they're not in the top 30 squad. They can bring some of those guys in and play them this year because the guys in the top 30 are already contracted. They're already paid. Okay, it would be the ones that are outside that. There's a little bit of something in that, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But... 
but the idea, I think that Norfoluma is going to become so much more better of a like. I, I think Norfoluma, if I'm looking at the Storm Squad, like he makes it if they keep or, or if they because they've got a lot of injuries they're dealing with. I yeah. think if they get their players back, Norfoluma is in that not in their top side for me. Oh, true, he's not. But yeah. I I think they're probably going to be. Down on players for a bit. I think their plan is that Meany will be going to fullback, mm. and they kind of want um, a genuine winger instead mm. of a makeshift winger. Um, so I understand that. the The benefit for the Tigers here is that um, Nofaluma might actually learn how defensive structures work. Yep. Um, I mean, good fucking luck. Maguire tried to drum it into him for ages, and he never mm. understood it. Mm. Um, but you know, maybe if Bellamy threatens to murder him, <laughs> you know, just half time after Nofaluma's led in three tries, I he guess just wanders in with that, uh, you know, the the strangle wire, just holds it around his neck really tight, and says, yeah. "If you let in another try, I'm going to pull this a little bit further. You won't be going back to the West Tigers or anywhere else. Just fucking think about that. Yeah. Learn to defend your stupid prick. Um, something like that. You know, sometimes just idle threats." Can work. So, um, I mean, I don't know what else you try with Nofaluma. He's, he's, because he's seen as an absolute icon with the Tigers and he's getting paid far more than he should be mm-hmm. for a winger, let alone anything else. Um, I think he's got this false sense that he's far better than he really is. Mm. Um, and I would love nothing more than for him to go down to the storm there and he gets no game time. Because that might be the sort of thing that makes him realise, hey, mate, you're not that fucking hot. If you can't get yeah. it into an injury-ravaged storm backline, you're not that good. And yeah, you may know, start realising you've got to improve your game a lot more. Cause he, I, he's and I, I think that they've got him in that capacity of, like, a depth. They haven't got him and been like, all right, we got a, we got a gun winger now. I think it's definitely a depth move that they could make happen, you know. Yeah. Um, I guess the the point is that both of those scenarios on back-to-back seasons, if you had to weigh it as to who it helps more, it is vastly in the way of the Melbourne Storm. Oh, of course. Yeah, so why are the West Tigers doing that? Well, what, I mean, you can't, you can't help fix or improve the West Tigers, can you? So you may, as well, may as well help other teams. Might as well help the Storm. There's, you know. The, the books look good, and let's do a few Samaritan deeds as well. They're, they're almost becoming a, a church. It's so weird to me. Like, it is very, very strange. Now, this You've also... You've got to work out oval and, and ties. Well, ties at the gates, and then yeah. just watch them do some Samaritan work for, you know, other places in poorer areas of the world, like what, Melbourne. What message does it send to the current West Tigers players that are still there where it's like, you know what, our season is so done that we're willing to ship players out to get experience in good football teams with better players and better coaching. You cunts can stay here, though. And then what what sign does it send to the fans that they've given up so much on the season that they don't they just don't feel like they need players anymore? They just fucking run anyone out there, you know? It's, well, a, it's, it's not a only Nofaluma. They've also let Gildart go to the Roosters. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't get that for the Roosters. No, it makes no sense. But then again, yeah. I mean, they signed Matt Lodge, so, you know. True. If I, I hope 
like if I'm playing against the Roosters in the finals, I'm praying Gildart's out there. Oh shit, yeah. You know, he's he was he's shocking. Shocking. And the good thing about him is you don't need to sit there and change your attack to make sure you've got a big man running at him. You mm. can run anyone you want at him. <laughs> I can run the water boy at him. Dude, I can run at him. Like, like I can get Darcy to run at him. Yeah, like Darcy's at him. He's only a few kilos lighter than him. It's uh, it was crazy when we found out how. Like, I didn't realize he was that light. But then when you couple that with his inability to defend, and then the fact that he's got dicks for fingers, like he can't catch a ball, it's a problem. Um, the and the thing that annoyed me the most about him mm. is that the way he plays is. Mm. Like he's playing hot potato. Keep the ball alive. Yeah. Don't die with the ball going. Mate, you're not in fucking England anymore. You can take the tackle. Mm. Well, we can and get a line set and we'll be fine. Look, the thing that got me is when we started to watch his play and it was really uh, like the first few games, you're like, look, settling in and stuff. But by a month and a half into the comp and you and me are watching him and we're like, oh, shit, this is really bad. And started talking about on on Twitter and the thing that got me was Wigan fans, where it come from, were saying, "Yeah, we saw this coming." And English fans are not like that; like they no. are, they are all in, protecting their dudes and stuff. And when Wigan fans started saying, "Yeah, this this makes a lot of sense," we kind of saw this coming. I was like, "Oh shit!" It was more the thing that got me was before that when the Tigers and they signed Gildart. Mm-hmm. And there was no fucking whinging from English fans at all. I went, mm. oh, this feels bad. Like, I remember when the Tigers signed Gareth Ellis, I was like, oh, fuck, now we've lost another, you know, good one of our good top players to the NRL. Mm. Um, you go, yeah, okay, well, maybe we found someone there. None of that with Gildart. None mm. of it. Yeah. It was just fucking cricket. So I was like, ooh. <laughs> yeah, it's a bad sign. Um so I, I didn't understand that, but then we also had, the, and I don't believe it's gone through, but the the Parramatta Eels were trying to get David Clemmer for the rest of the year, which would have been a very good signing, even if you look at it as a depth signing, but he would have started for them. Um, and it, it comes back to this whole loan scenario where people last, people looking at these loans started saying, well, the Panthers last year got uh, Tevita Pangai Jr., and he didn't end up playing in the grand final, but he did help with their depth and played a really good finals game for them. Was really mm. good in that game. Um, but that wasn't alone. He was sacked by the Broncos and was a free agent. Um, and I think people missed that fact. And I don't think I have too many problems with something like that happening. But they, these loan deals are not what the NRL should have going because this idea that you're going to get to this point in the year where all of the teams in the finals that are set for the finals are going to start pilfering the bottom teams. That is the biggest salary cap wrought, and it's a legal one. It's not illegal, but it is it is definitely not what the salary cap rules were there in place for. And I I think that they will put an end to that next year. I don't think we'll see this happen again. Yeah, that's right. Um, it is a crazy year for loans, though. I, you know, I actually don't mind the loan system, mm-hmm. but um, as it currently stands, it seems to be okay. But if it's allowed to continue, you can bet your bottom dollar it's going to get fucking rotted and abused like nothing else. Mm. Um, so 
So the owner needs to step in soon and just say, you know what, we will allow um, player loans, but the players that are swapping clubs um, or being loaned out, actually, it should actually be made to be a swap. Mm-hmm. It should be of two players who are on similar incomes. So they don't have to be similar quality. If the Tigers are overpaying Dover Nofaluma mm-hmm. to the point where he's worth the same as fucking Cameron Munster, yeah. so be it, you know. But that's the way they're going to have to look at it. That way it doesn't impact salary caps too severely, mm-hmm. and that will make it all above board financially. That's the only way you can look at it. And you can probably have, say, like a, a 10% swing either way. Mm. Um, I think the other thing is, too, this, this loan system was brought in to help teams cover from outs because of COVID. Yeah, and right. I, I tend to think that the idea behind it was that I've got some fringe first graders. I'll loan them to your club. It was never meant for a player like a North Luma uh, no. or a Clemmer. It was never meant for that. No. And so the problem you get with by allowing this is it does mean that by the time the origin period is over, the few teams that are left at the bottom of the ladder that are out of the hunt um, will start getting pilfered by all these teams wanting to do loans. Mm. Um, and it's going to put them further behind because they're going to be losing what you know decent talent they might have to these other sides. Um, they, and the teams at the bottom will be doing it hoping that it will make these players better. And look, it might, but not by the 30 to 40% that they want them to improve by, but maybe by about 2 or 3%. Yeah, so when they come right. back, it's not going to have that huge of an impact on the way the team plays the following year. And so all it's doing is widening the divide between the top teams and the lower <laughs> ones. I also think that there's a, like, Harry Grant, when you look at a player like him, the idea that he was going to stick with the... West Tigers rather than go back to the Storm. And it would have had to have taken the Tigers to say, look, Harry, if you want to stay here, we'll give you $900,000 a year. And oh, if you go it? back to the Storm, you are on, three you know, your, your, say your yeah. base contract is five hundred. Like, that's a big difference still. Yeah. Um, that's the only way a lower team is going to keep it. Whereas if it's the other way around, like if David Norfoluma gets to the end of the year and the Storm go, you know what, man, we like you. Do you want to stick around? There's no doubt he's saying, yes, I will stick around. I will get out of my contract. I don't care how it works. There's way more that it's going to help the higher tier team build long-term than it is the low-grade team build long-term. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so it's, it is it is something that is um, – Obviously, it's in it in its infancy, but mm. I can see it getting exploited pretty quickly because I mean that's what NRL teams do. Yeah, that's um, and they should be. Yeah, so the NRL needs to. I mean, obviously they're dragging their feet already, but they need to, you know, do something in the off season that isn't fucking insane, just something sensible and smart, but ironclad and fucking easy to understand, hard to exploit or almost impossible to uh, rot put it in place and say, you know what, we're going to allow this, but these are the conditions, and that's it. And, and the, they need to put it back to June 30, the deadline. Uh, August 1st is an way outrage. Too late. Yeah, yeah, it's way too it's late. It's silly. Um, Actually, I'd, I just have it set at um, the the middle of the season. So if there's 24 rounds, then round 12 is the cutoff point. End of round 12 is the cutoff point. 
yeah. For that'd doing be, this, you've got to take them for half the season. Yeah, that'd be fine. I'd, I'd yeah. be happy with that because, yeah, getting to this point of the year and all of a sudden you get finals team. <laughs> like, what would have happened if, like, the Panthers somehow worked out a deal where they got fucking Big Tino from the Gold Coast Titans? It would be ridiculous, you know? Oh, absolutely. Um, just silly. So uh, that was that's something that, that happened. Now, we had that game last weekend between the Panthers and the Paramount Eels. Uh, I like to call it the screw job at Bank West, um, <laughs> where they sent off the golden boy, Nathan Cleary, for what was clearly a tackle that he had no influence on. He was just in the vicinity. Um, now, he gets sent off. The Eels look like they're going to absolutely pound the Panthers. Second half was under control a little bit. I thought the big story that came out of that game, though, was that um, the Parramatta Eels lose their golden boy for the rest of the regular season uh, with injury in Mitch Moses. Uh, I tend to think that's going to hurt them way more than it is going to hurt the Panthers not having their halves because the Panthers have dealt with that for a month and a half already. Well, they've also lost Sean O'Sullivan, haven't they? Uh, Have they? Have they lost Sean O'Sullivan as well? I, I thought... Oops, musical interlude. Um, I, I thought O'Sullivan was injured. I didn't see that he was injured. I know that Luai is injured. He's out till the start of the finals. Um, but I don't know about O'Sullivan. We should oh, look that up. Maybe, maybe it was Luai. Because uh, Sean O'Sullivan, come on. No, I, think, I think he's okay. Okay, you scared me then. Jeez. I might have got it wrong, yeah. <laughs> because, if, look, the Panthers went through origin without uh, Lawai and Cleary, and they didn't lose the game. So it's not like they, they, you know, are an absolutely terrible team without those players. Um, yeah. and, and having that experience of doing it, like just before last weekend, they'll just go back into that mode. Um, but... The Parramatta Eels not having Mitch Moses. Obviously, Brad Arthur's son comes in, and I don't mind him as a player, actually. I think he's pretty handy in, in a lot of ways. Um, but the idea of Mitch Moses coming back just before the final start for a player that has traditionally not been good at the end of the year, that, I think, would worry me as a, a Parramatta fan. And when you look at the ladder, if they go on a bit of a losing streak, they could be in trouble for their finals place. Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, there's not that big a gap between ninth, tenth, and seventh and eighth. Mm. Um, with Moses, though, I mean, because it's it's a leg injury, isn't it? That's I the thing that so, worries yeah. me. That's yeah. the thing that worries me because it means that um, he's going to be tentative when it comes to a running game. Mm-hmm. Um, and if if he's coming back, I want him to be running the ball. Yeah. And especially if he's coming back, pretty much in the finals race, that's too late for him to be tentative about running. Yeah, it is. It is. And, like, Cleary is going to be suspended until the first round of the finals. But he's going to be able to train with the Panthers. He's Like, he'll just slot in. There's no problems there. I think the bigger problem is Luai. Um, and I, I could see a scenario where if he's a bit iffy and the Panthers play well with Cleary and say O'Sullivan, which they were doing until Cleary got sent off in that game against Parramatta. Yeah. I could see where the Panthers are like, we can't change a winning team. No, that's right. The, the thing that O'Sullivan gives 
Penrith that Luai doesn't as much is a second genuinely very strong kicker in the, on the field, which mm-hmm. it means that defences can't just sit there and pile up on Cleary at the end of the set. Mm-hmm. Whereas with Luai there, that's kind of what they do. Mm-hmm. So they know if the ball's gone to Luai, um, you know, the Panthers are looking to run or have a short kick. Yeah. But with uh, O'Sullivan there, all those options are, are available. You can do a long kick, short kick, doesn't matter what you want. You can do all of it. Um, and it's that variation that, that throws defences out because you can park O'Sullivan on the other side of the field then and defences are then spread across the field. They can't all just be parked on one edge. Yeah, and he's a, he's a much better ball player than Luai. And he's not as good of a ball runner. There's no doubt about that. And he's not as good of a defender. But I, I just think that, you know, and it was very short sample size. We got 18 minutes of it. But I thought against Parramatta, you could see their attack just looked a little – it didn't look as clunky. And it yeah. didn't look like it would get to – like it sometimes gets to Lawai and it's like the the attack shifts to a different mode. When it was getting to O'Sullivan – it just looks smooth and effortless. And um, look, it's one of the things that we've talked a little bit about on the podcast over the year that um, is clearly going to be better with a different halves partner next to him. And, and that's something you hope that Luai ends up um, developing as a player and it becomes a lot more smoother. But yeah, it's a, it's an interesting situation there at Penrith and to have Parramatta come from that high to all of a sudden Moses is out um, until the finals, it, uh, it it shakes things up a little bit and it, it just adds a wrinkle to the end of the season. I think if, if we hadn't had all these injuries happen all of a sudden, I think we would have been like saying, yeah, let's just get to the finals. Now it's like, Oh, what's going to happen here? How are the Panthers going to react? How are the Eels going to yeah. go? And, you know, it makes it a little bit more interesting. I'm going to say, too, Parramatta has a horrible run into the finals, too. Oh, do they? They got, they got Manly this week. Oh, and that's, and that's huge for them. Yeah. For the, because for the, if, if they drop that game, Manly gets a game on them now. Yeah. Then they've got South the week after. Oh, shit. Red Hot Bulldogs. Yeah. The Broncos. Yeah. And then the last game of the round is against the Storm. Oh, that's as, that's about as bad as it could be. So without without a halfback there... There's the potential there. They can lose nearly all of those games. Jeez, that's a horrible run. Yeah, it is horrible. Wow. Um, and some good hard uh, hard running teams that they're up against there, like South, Bulldogs, um, the Storm. And the reason why I mention that is hard running teams mm-hmm. do tend to cause injuries to teams who are defending against them. Yeah. And... The last thing Parramatta needs is more injuries, especially in their forwards. Um, yeah. But that's, I mean, you've got that much workload coming in. They've got a horror run, absolute horror run. Sorry about that brief break there. Um, I mean, it only takes me two or three seconds because I'm a super dad, but I just put the little fella to sleep. That was very quick. You did it like, it was like it was just instant. Yeah, mate. Look, I'm good. Yeah, I'm yeah. not gonna lie. Yeah. Uh, if anyone wants, if anyone wants to nominate me for Father of the Year, um, feel free. Yeah, bring it. Look at that, not a sound. Yeah, is there a, is there a Father of the Year in Australia? I don't know. Probably. 
assume okay. that I assume there isn't because I haven't won the award yet, and I can't <laughs> see why I wouldn't have. Oh shit! Uh, now we were talking about Paramount Eels running and and what a nightmare it was. Uh, yeah. What's the Panthers running? Because yeah. especially that, now they're going to be out without a bunch of players too. Yeah. Now that's they would have had to have been thinking about who they would have rested coming into the finals. And I've got to say, I don't have any big problems with Cleary not playing every single one of those games anyway, because... There's uh, chance they might have rested for most of the games anyway. So. Yeah, he's played a lot of footy and he's a halfback, you know. There's, that's why it's great to have that big that big gap. Yeah. Um, so they've got Canberra, obviously, this week, and then they've got actually a pretty rough run home. Mm-hmm. Not as... Not as bad as Parramatta's, but close. Mm-hmm. Um, the Storm next week. Oh, that's going to suck. Then South the week after. Yeah, that's not going to be good fun. Then the Warriors. Oh, that's a layup. Then the Cowboys. Okay, I think I have a feeling they're. I have a feeling they're defense. Although the Cowboys have added a little bit since, but I have a feeling their defense is really well suited to stopping the Cowboys. Um, but we'll see. I, I like that Warriors game in there. I, I guess yeah. the thing for the Panthers is that, you know, they're not going to they're, – they're in the finals. There's no doubt about that. But, uh, you know, they would love that top two spot. I don't think they can drop outside the top four, though. No, I'm pretty sure that – yeah, I, I can't see them dropping any lower than second. Um, yeah. Like, and well, that's essentially, all... if, if they beat the Cowboys mm. – then they've got they've got first place locked up pretty much. Yeah, and look, the minor premiership's great, and you love that. But uh, you know, in the top two spots are the exact same um, in terms of the the advantage you get. Yeah. So, and you're going to take on a top four team in the first round of the finals anyway. And the winner's going to go through to the to the next round, no matter if you're first or fourth. So, um, so that you know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, I will say this as a bit of a sidetrack. Mm-hmm. Only because I was looking at the NRL ladder on the NRL website, because mm-hmm. um, I was checking out the news there. Usually I go to the rugby league project.org, but um, it is what it is. Anyway, at the bottom of the NRL ladder on the uh, NRL site, they've got the ladder predictor. Yes. I was going to click on it yeah. to see how far the Tigers could go. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had a look and I went, there's 10 competition points left, and they need 22 points to get to ninth. So I'm not going to bother clicking on this. <laughs> I think the, the time. I think the interesting thing is for the Panthers, they need absolutely everything to go against them to, you know, still be a top 14. For the Eels, yes. they need 70% of things to go against them to make to miss the final. Sorry. Yeah, um, look, they've got essentially. Canberra and the Roosters are fighting out for eighth at the moment. They're both on 22 points, which is both um, four points less than what Parramatta's on. Mm. Um, and Manly and the Dragons are on 20 points, so they're just one win outside the eight themselves. Uh, but they're three wins behind Parramatta. Yeah. Parramatta, if they win just one of those five games coming home, they're going to make the finals, you'd think. Yeah. Um. I do think those Souths are going to be some a pretty dark horse. I wouldn't be surprised if they jump up a fair bit up the ladder because 
even though they they lost to the Sharks, um, uh, it's worth noting that Cody Walker played like dog shit in that game. Um, I'm a huge Cody Walker fan. Love the way he plays, but for mm-hmm. some reason, he just wanted to be a grubby niggle merchant against the Sharks, and it completely backfired on him. Yeah, and South attacking as a whole struggled to build momentum and pile on points when the Sharks were at a point in this opening 20 minutes of both halves in that game last week um, where the South attack was just making big metres up the middle and they were hoarding possession but not converting it into points. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think if Cody had been more switched on in the game and less into a bit of that nickel stuff, he wasn't doing a lot of it, but Mm -hmm. enough of it to be noticeable. Um, I think if he had been switched on with the game and, and focused on scoring points, I think South could have won that game reasonably well. Um, they just they were making such dumb f dumb mistakes. Elias got tackled with the ball on the last two or three times. You're going, how does your how does your half mm. like get caught with the ball? And on every every occasion, it's not like they were close to the line. He was trying to do something to try and score. Nowhere near it. Once was at halfway on the fifth. He's caught with the ball. Another time they were probably about 30 metres away from the Sharks line going, what is that? And on both those occasions, he wasn't even threatening to break through the line. He just died with the ball. I mean, that is the dumbest stuff I've seen in ages. It, just, yeah, the, it made the, no sense. The thing, that got, the thing that gets me about him is that it's – he still seems like – he has no help from Walker. That's that's the problem is if Walker's not focused on playing the game Mm. and he's doing a little bit of this niggle stuff every now and then, Mm. his focus isn't on being a support player. Mm. And that's the problem. He is just a support player. Um, It's a weird one. Like, I tell you what, though, in in that first week of the finals, uh, and it's weird because the – the finals teams are really solidifying. I think that if you go back a couple of months ago, you kind of looked at the NRL and you thought, well, it's it's Melbourne and Penrith and the rest, forget it. Um, now I tend to think that it's a little bit of a different scenario where if Penrith doesn't win the grand final, it will still be a bit weird. But I think that the Cowboys look really, really, really good. And I tell you what, in that bottom four teams... I don't want to. I don't want to play any of them in sudden death football in the first round of the finals. No, no. The I think as much as the Sharks got beat by Penrith um, two weeks ago, they certainly weren't disrespected, mm-hmm. um, and they certainly worried the, the Panthers in that first half. Mm-hmm. It took forty minutes for Penrith to try and figure out a a way to cope defensively against them. And they managed to do enough. And they still had to bring out an awful lot of trick shots and stuff to try and get through the, the Sharks' attack. And they only won by 10 points. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Cowboys running in the middle of the field is insane. Um, and, I mean, a fully fit storm side with all their players on board, then no one's got a better attack than them. No one. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, those are your three huge, huge threats. There's no doubt about it. The Storm aren't going to have all those attacking threats on the field, though. Um, So your next biggest threat is probably going to be 
the Broncos as a more as a dark horse more than anything else because you, you're not too sure what they're going to be like this young squad in the finals given that they've been out of the race for a few years. Yeah. Um, the bunnies with their attack because when it clicks, um, forget about it. Mm-hmm. The Roosters have that ability too to to put on plenty of points. They've scored quite a fair bit of quite a few tries as well this year, but they just turn on and off in games. South, their biggest problem, along with Parramatta, is for a top eight side, the defense is shit house. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, and you look at Parramatta sitting in sixth place; their points difference is just thirty-eight. South is just seventy. The South have what the second? They've got the third best attack, fourth best attack, something like that. And the thing is, too, with those two teams, and look, South made the grand final last year, and they did it without Latrell. And like, I, it's kind of the thing with Parramatta and South that I need to see Latrell Mitchell playing finals football, number one, and playing all the games. And for the Parramatta Eels, I need to see them win a significant game in the finals, which they haven't done. Yeah, a week two or week three game. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's like we all remember that game where they smashed the Broncos years ago. Yeah. But that's kind of their finals highlight. And until they do something more than that, and look, it was the same thing with the Panthers last year, where it was like, until they beat the Storm, none of it matters. That's right. Um, and so there's always the monkey is there to be taken off their back, but um, I need to see it until I'm really in. Hey, I'm going to ask you if you had to give the West Tigers defense a grading, you know, from A plus to F minus, where would you have it this year? Over the whole course of the year or just yeah. right now? Over the whole course of the year. Uh, I look. I'm a pretty hard taskmaster, so there'd be a lot of Fs, and they would be an F. Yep. They've only conceded 60 points more than Parramatta. Oh, shit. Yeah, that's where Parramatta's at. Oh, wow. The Tigers have only conceded 75 points more than South. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah. That gives you a rough idea as to just how bad, especially Parramatta, how bad their defense is. They've conceded... So many points. The teams below them that have conceded less, South, Roosters, the ninth place Raiders, the 10th place Manly, um, and then you look at the 12th place Bulldogs have only conceded 10 points more than Parramatta. And that they had Trent Barrett as coach for most of the year. Yeah, they were smacked in the first half of the season. Yeah. Um, I, I guess the thing is when I look at the finals teams and I look at um, – what they're probably capable of. So the storm, it's just like that, the muscle memory of winning, you know, you always look back at like, yeah, they've been decimated by injuries and stuff, but I'm still worried about that muscle memory. Well, I mean, look, it's like Adam O'Brien says, um, you know, you never forget winning. Exactly. Unless you're Adam (laughs) O'Brien with the, with the Panthers, there's always the specter of, their defence just turns up and you get nothing. It doesn't matter who the halves are, you know. With the the uh, North Queensland Cowboys, Tal Malolo, Luciano Leilua, like Nanai, do I have to keep going on? Like if they turn up to play, what do you do? <laughs> the, the thing that the Cowboys do is, um, to coin a phrase from Wally Lewis, 
they do dictate terms. They force teams to play in the middle because that's where their strength is. Mm. And so they force you to run in the middle. They force you to defend in the middle because obviously that's where the strength is. That strength is Tormalolo. They park him in there for a reason. There's a reason why they've got the second best defense and, you know, what, third best attack. Everything's done where they want it, where they where they want the play to go. It's where they dictate it to be. Um, that's what's made them so good. And they do that with nearly every single team out there. Yeah. Um, so, and it's only this last month and a half, two months, that they've really started to perfect that. Um, and they're getting good at bullying teams into playing the way they want them to instead of waiting for that ebb and flow to fall their way and they take it over there and they just go, no, fuck it, we're doing it our way and we're doing it now. They're also hitting the edges harder too in attack. Well, um, it allows them to. Once they sit there and they smash everyone up the middle, all the defences start to compact in to try and help survive that section. Mm. And then they've got the extra, you know, the extra space out wide, um, which they need because they've got an absolute um, criminal halfback when it comes to murdering overlaps. So <laughs> you need to have your opportunities out there where you can. It's funny how they, they're using him, though. They're using him in a, about the best way you could. In terms of he he does the kicking and he's playing in the middle of the field. Yep. But when you think about when they go through their back line, he's not there. No, no that's right. They <laughs> they go through the hands and they they look for their five eighth and they look for homes on the other side. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that is smart. And the reason why it works is because it worked for Townsend when he was at his at his best at the Sharks. Yeah. Because he had he had Gallon on the inside. He had Luke Lewis on the outside of one shoulder or Wade Graham. And so he had these insanely strong line runners. Um, and you get someone like Graham and Gallon who've got that low center of gravity, much like Tomalolo has. You don't need to try and do anything fancy to try and line them up with inside shoulders, outside shoulders, gaps in the line. Just give them the fucking ball and they'll just roll through anything. Yeah. Um, and so Peyton's got good at spotting that that's a, a spot that Townsend's good that he understands and he knows how to find that. Um, and that's why he's parked him in the middle there, and that has been working well. So you don't need to have this Andrew Johns-type freakish fucking skill there. You've got to get a bloke who's happy to dish the ball off to an absolute beast and just let him destroy things. Yeah, yeah. Look, I love, and I said it when they, they managed to get him for next year, but getting Luciano Leilua into that side, oh, it's just, it's it's amazing. Like, And I don't even think he's... He's completely settled, but you can see he's, he's getting more and more settled. And he's picking and choosing his times. And it's funny because you saw him do it with the West Tigers, but it, it was always an one-out effort from him because it, it kind of he didn't have the teammates around him. Yeah. And now you've seen him do it off the back of good forward play and being able to pick and choose rather than being like, I'm the only dude that's going to go forward here. And, oh, it's just, I love watching it. I love watching the whole combination of it. Yeah, it's, and look, it's going to work because um, the Cowboys have been doing it for a long time when they had, when they brought Cohen Hess through. Mm-hmm. That's what he was going to be. But then he stopped developing as soon as um, Thurston left. So Lolo was just going to be what Hess should have been, mm-hmm. whereas Hess has now been moved to in the front row, basically, because they go, well... You can tackle and do hit up, so I suppose that'll work. Now, looking at some of the other finals teams, um, 
Latrell Mitchell, if he's if he has one of those games, I think they beat anyone. Like especially if him and Walker are both on at the same time. But Latrell in particular can, as I said, is probably one of the very few players in the game that can win a game all on his own. Yeah. Um, you've got look the the Roosters. They they need a lot of things going their way, but you know they've still got Tedesco who can be incredible in games. Um, Manu as well. Like if they're both firing, it, it, they're going to be hard to beat. I was just having a look here at South. They've got a pretty tough run home themselves. They've got the Warriors this week, and then it's just a bunch of top eight sides after that. Yeah, I think you know Penrith, I, Cowboys, Roosters. I think they need that though. I oh, think that absolutely they do. Yeah, yeah. Like they're going to make the finals, but they, I think that they need that hardened run into the finals. The thing I wouldn't have liked to have seen is South coming into the finals, having beaten their last three teams by forty points. You know, I think that yeah, would have been especially if they're poor teams. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Roosters have got Broncos, Cowboys, Tigers, Storm, mm-hmm. and Ro- and Rabbits. See that? Yeah, that's a rough run in too. Yeah. The problem they've got there is the the Broncos and the Tigers, and especially the Bunnies, those three are pretty much unknown entities every single week you turn up. Yeah. You don't know where you get. Look, there's a fair chance they'll beat the Tigers, don't get me wrong. They've got an incredible record against them. But whether they flog them by 50 or whether they have to work their backside off and play – because this is the thing a lot of teams have been doing the last few weeks against the Tigers is they've had to play a bit of – unorthodox sort of footy to get through them. It's not like the Tigers are this really complicated complicated side to beat. It's more the fact that you don't know what's coming from them and what's going to click and what's mm-hmm. not and when it is or when it isn't. You're sort of doing a bit of standing around waiting for something to happen. Um, the teams who smash them are the ones who just go, fuck it, I don't care, let's just run through them. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much the best way to beat any of these uh, lower teams. You don't don't sit back waiting for them to see what's going to happen, to see if it's going to work or not. Just roll through them. Yeah. Um, the Tigers, though, the defense has been turning up a bit. A little bit, yeah. Um, you know, and, and their their attack is is terrible. Their attack's just terrible. Um, and look, there's so much going on around that club that's that is not good that. I, I feel sorry for the players. The players aren't dumb. They know what's going on. You know, they're professionals. Yeah. So it's, it's got to be hard in that, that situation. Um, the weird one for me is the, the Gold Coast Titans. So you look at their side and they've got some real good players in that team. And, you know, Big Tino is maybe the best player in the comp right now. He is he is playing like Tomalolo-esque, but he's doing it all over the field. Yeah, well, he, and he has to. Yeah, yeah, and he's playing a lone hand at the moment. Um, but they're outside of that, they're fucking hopeless in a really weird way. Um, yeah. You look at him, you go, it's almost like they never replaced the coach because the attacking structure looks as aimless as it always has. Yeah, like, and how do how do you get in that situation where you know that it's just they look like the Gold Coast, the worst of the Gold Coast Titans ever? Still, it's so strange. Um, and they, then, they miss Fogarty so bad. Yeah, yeah. Although I, I can see where you'd 
you look at Sexton, and I don't mind him as a young player. I know um, he's, he's handy, but geez, he could have done with a, a season or two playing alongside, not behind, alongside Fogarty. Yeah, he could have. Because um, that would have been the best thing for him. But instead, he's just thrown in the fire. Well, they're going to have four in next year. And in theory, that is going to be a pretty handy thing for him. But whenever we've had to play the theory game with Kieran Foran, it's been a fucking disaster, like of the worst kind. So I've never seen a player who has a career at one club that is fucking stunning and everywhere else he goes outside of that is utter garbage. Even when he comes back to the club, Mm. he goes back to being, you know, a brilliant five-eighth all over again. And then, oh, it's... It must be so frustrating um, for him more than anything else because mm-hmm. he knows what he can do, but it seems to be within a set structure that it works. And that's Des Hasler's structure. Yeah, and look, there's the there's the other thing too of like maybe just his game works so seamlessly with DCE that it's just, you know, it, when you take him out of – having DCE, and look, DCE, I think, is probably the most underrated player we've had in the game in maybe 20 years or so. Like, I've I, I wondered if it's because he's a half and he wears a manly jumper that people just, they feel like they should hate him more than anything else, even though they've got no reason to. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't it know. It just seems he, weird that he's... People don't like him. Yeah, and I don't, I, I don't know. I, I don't I've never it. had a problem with him. I, I think he's a pretty bloody uh, unique talent. He's a fairly good all-around sort of halfback. Mm. I think if yeah. any club was told that they were getting DC in good form as a as a signing for next year, they'd all change their tune pretty quick. He's one of those sort of players. Like, oh fuck DC! Oh, what we signed him? He's a great player, isn't he? And then, but then the thing is too, it's like you look at what he's actually achieved in the game, and it is a lot, yeah. <laughs> you know. And and he did it. He did a lot of it early on in his career, and even now as a veteran player, he's still doing it. Like, you look at that game three for Queensland, uh, and he just was uh, just perfect for them. It was amazing. Oh, yeah. Um, it's, you know, this season is really starting to turn into something pretty damn good where we're all thinking it was going to be a bit of a walkover. Not very long ago, and now all of a sudden it's like, ooh, look at this happening. Look at this changing and stuff like that. It's it's really cool to watch. Absolutely. Now, a little bit of uh, news that's coming out just today. Oh. The NRL and and Peter Volandis. Were we calling him the golden cock? <laughs> Was something like that? I can't remember. Anyway, <laughs> Peter Volandis. Look, I'm uh, happy to sh- I'm happy to shorten it like we do with his name to PV. I'm happy to go just from golden cock to just cock. Just cock, yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, cock. He um he has said that the NRL is is open to the possibility of playing this year's grand final in Queensland after talks have broken down with the New South Wales government over stadium funding in Sydney. We call it New South Wales, but it's really Sydney. Um. And the New South Wales government, I guess, is a little bit hesitant to spend money um, on every single suburban ground. And I completely get that. I think you only need like a a few main grounds to be built. Um, 
pouring money into suburban grounds is just an endless waste of cash. Mm. They'll always need to be maintained and upgraded. It will always cost money. It's a futile purpose. It's so fucking absurd. Like it was yeah. abundantly clear 30 years ago that all of the suburban grounds that everyone had good feelings about and this is lovely, no, it's not going to work. We need to get proper stadiums that don't cost millions and millions of dollars of government funding to patch up. Mm-hmm. That's the problem with these old ancient grounds. You spend so much more money just patching them up. You're not upgrading them. You're patching them up. Whereas if you put the same amount of money into um, Combank Stadium, you're actually fucking upgrading it noticeably. Mm-hmm. That's the difference. They're just endless money pits. There's, there's all this money gets poured into it. The New South Wales government, um, I mean, they're spending a small fortune on rebuilding the Sydney Football Stadium. They've spent even more than that reshaping and resizing and downsizing the Olympic Stadium. Of course, they're going to be hesitant about spending any more money on these absolute bloody money pits, these suburban grounds. Mm. Um, and, you know, they've just had to deal with, as has every other government around the world, not just in Australia, with COVID. Um, money's a bit of a scarcity at the moment. They're trying to look after, you know, the humans. <laughs> How dare they? And PV wants to go there and hold them to ransom over a fucking football game. Come on, man. That's, that's, a, that's an absolute cock move. Yeah, and I think especially when you look at the this fanciful notion that all the grounds are going to get upgrades and stuff, it's it's silly. Like, I was watching the games on the weekend, and I'm looking at the aerial shots of Shark Park, and I'm thinking, this this ground is literally like a five-minute drive to Cogra, to Cogra's ground. And I know that because I just ha- – I remember I went to Cogra Stadium to call a, a New South Wales game, and it turned a different corner, and I'm like – that's fucking Shark Park. And it was literally like a five-minute drive. And so I'm thinking that, and then I'm looking at Cogra, and it's like, man, this ground is outdated. Like, And I said on Twitter, I think the Dragons should play at the new SFS. I think it would be great for them. It's not like there's any less park in there. Um, and then, you know, I, I tend to think that once you get the Panthers Stadium put in place, and if you've got a stadium down towards the MacArthur region, down towards Campbelltown region. I think you've got stadiums in all of the central-ish locations in Sydney where team, or, or, or not just the NRL teams, but soccer teams and, and teams that use rectangular stadiums, they're not that far away from a bloody good stadium they can go to so that they don't have to go and use a a fucking oval that was switched to direction and, or they're using it. They're at a place where they have built three different parts of it over the course of 50 years, you know? Yeah. Um, anyone that goes to Combank stadium, it's just a, it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. Oh, um, stunning. as is that Queensland country bank one up in Townsville. There. Oh yeah. Yeah. Great and, stadium. And yeah, I just think that once we get the main stadiums in place, Sydney doesn't need like a stadium then at, at at Shark Park and one five minutes down the road at Cogra that's both of which are not quite ideal for anything and I I don't know. Well, I, the, the, the thing that separates Shark Park from the others is the fact that um, local governments don't have to fund anything there because the Sharks own it. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. That one can stay if it needs to, okay? 
they can upgrade it whenever they want, however they want, whatever. Um, all the other ones, though, all require government funding, it's state, local, whatever. Um, and so those are the ones that need to be, those are the ones that need to be um, reduced in numbers because if, if the NRL is going to, the New South Wales state government says we want all of our suburban grounds that we currently use in the NRL in Sydney being upgraded, if you're going there and saying there's, you know, I can't remember off the top of my head how many they're using, if they go there and say there's seven of them, mm. we, want, we need seven grounds upgraded, government's going to say, you know, we can put $5 million into each one and do fuck all changes to them. Mm-hmm. There's $35 million we've basically just pissed up the wall. Whereas if you go in there and say, right, we just need, you know, three, three need upgrades. They go, 15 million, you know, well, we can, we can probably, 15 million, we can probably put a few extra million in there and make that happen. And you go, all of a sudden you're starting to see a little bit of change. Or they can just go, let's just put all of that money aside and just build another fucking stadium. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I think if you've got one at, if you've got one at Penrith, I'd probably rather have, um, I'd, I'd be happy with the Penrith one looking after the, the Penrith and Tigers there, the mm-hmm. one at Parramatta looking after the Dogs and Parramatta. Mm-hmm. Sydney Football Stadium's got the Roosters and, um, and South. Mm-hmm. If you wanted to, if you really wanted to, you could put one down in the Dragons area. I just wouldn't. Yeah. Um, I just say to the Dragons, um, up, either upgrade Wollongong and try and play a heap of games down there and play one or two games at Cogra as a bit of novelty and play the rest in, in the SFS or just move to the SFS. Um, they've got to make a decision one way or the other. They're just, they've got two grounds which neither of them are really up to scratch. They need to get one of them fixed up or move to the SFS. Yeah, like... Uh, Sharks I mean, can do whatever they want. They own theirs. Yeah, it's it just like... I don't know, just watching those two games on the weekend, and I, I know the Sharks own theirs, but it just seemed like just a duplication of resources in general. You know what I mean? Oh, of course it is. Of course it's, it's just silliness. Because like, the Sharks own theirs, um, it's all at their own cost. If they want to upgrade it to have 40,000 seats in there so they can try and get more bums on seats and more money through the doors, mm. that's, their, that's their problem. Um, if they want to keep it as it is and just pour money into it, constantly re- repainting the paint but actually not getting any more bums on seats, that's their fucking decision too. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm happy to leave theirs out of the equation because it's not a state government funding issue. You don't need to lobby anyone to fix that up. Yeah, that's um, fair enough. But, yeah, the other ones, it just makes it hard to try and get funding to upgrade all of the grounds when there's so many of them. But if you go in there with just three grounds that need upgrades, there's, A, a higher chance you're going to get a yes from the government, mm-hmm. and, B, a higher chance you're going to get more money than what you want to get them upgraded further and better. So at the yeah. moment, you can pour – let's take Leichhardt, for example, um, the worst example – you can pour four, five million dollars into that grant and make zero real difference to it because yeah, white ants in one stand. Yeah, you yeah, wipe out that stand and completely rebuild it. You'll get the capacity back up to was it twenty three thousand? Yeah, it wasn't even that big, you know. But it's... you're not you're not upgrading any other aspect of the stadium that probably needs upgrading. So then you've got to go and put twice as much in to try and change some of the other aspects of it to try and make it look a little bit more modern, like you know. 
lights, um, <laughs> a big screen. These toilets rented out and brought into the ground. <laughs> yeah. And why does the NRL keep putting night games at Leichhardt for fuck's sake? <laughs> I, you know that if I if I was the NRL and, and I look at it from both sides, if I'm the government and I'm going to build a stadium or do a giant upgrade to it, I need you to come to me and say, look, we're putting on a shitload of events at this stadium. So Parramatta Stadium, can't argue with it. You know, that I mean, um, the Tigers have played games there. They've had rep games there. The Parramatta Eels play all their home games there. Um, I think the Bulldogs have played a couple of games there too. It, it's getting its use. Um, the SFS will have the Roosters. South Sydney, it'll have that rugby union team no one cares about anymore. That's going to get, oh, the Sydney FC, that's going to get use. The Penrith Football Stadium, that'll be their main home ground. And look, there's, I mean, there's always footy being played at Penrith Footy Stadium, a lot of lower grade stuff and, and things like that. But I get that people can look at that and say, well, hang on, League Freak, that's only for one team. And I get that. And I'm going to be biased about it the whole time. There's no doubt about it. But damn, they fill, they'll fill that fucking thing out a lot. Um, I can go down to the MacArthur region and say, look, if the West Tigers play all their home games there and you've got there's a, a soccer team down there as well, that stadium's going to get a shitload of use in this, uh, probably more way than the Panthers stadium would get a lot of use. But then I'm like, okay, so Cogra, well, it gets used six times a, a, a season by the Dragons at most. And then they play lower grade games there because it's cheap. <laughs> um, you know, Belmore, they play, you know, one one NRL game there every so often. And then they play lower grade games there because it's cheap. I can give a lot of these places back if yeah. I can get facilities that can be used for lower grade games that are irrelevant. Like I could see where you could have a stadium that is maybe – just a very old suburban at most that has like the the Newtown Stadium, you know. Getting, Park. Yeah, they're getting shitloads of people into that place for lower grade games. That's fine. That's all yeah. you need. You don't need fucking giant stands and, and all this for lower grade games. So no. I would be willing to give back places to get the upgrades to the main stadiums. This is the thing though, is I'm looking at the, the stats for this year alone, okay, for the seven suburban grounds mm-hmm. um, in Sydney. Mm-hmm. So those grounds are um, Belmore, Brookvale, Campbelltown, Shark Park, Cogra, Leichhardt, and Penrith. Mm-hmm. The average crowd size per game, and there's been uh, 33 games, mm-hmm. 34 games. 34 games this year, the average crowd size is 13,165. Oh, Jesus. If that's... And it's worth noting, Penrith is... If I take Penrith out, that average comes down by 2,000 per game. That's ridiculous. Right? So with that in mind, right, it's, it's a hard case to make to go to the NRL and saying... Or going to the state government and say, well, we want these seven grounds or six grounds, given Penrith's already got funding. Mm-hmm. We want these six grounds to get upgraded. They're going to need a few million dollars each. Let's say $5 million each. There's $30 million. They say, oh, how, how big do you want them all? He said, oh, if we can get them all up to 25,000 seats <laughs> each, that'd be great. And he's in there going, you're not even half filling them. 
Yeah, you just why store and seats. Why should we give you this fucking upgrade? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's silly, and I I could see where the state governments just and it must have it must have got to the point where it said no, no money for for Leica, no money for Cogra, you know, no money for whatever seven stadiums the West Tigers decide as their stadium this year. All of them. Yeah, they really do to a point. It's like we're going to give you. X number of stadiums, they're going to be pretty damn good, and you're going to have to make do with those. You know, I think the only weird one where you can make a an argument where you could do upgrade to it is Manly Stadium, and that's just for the case that if you build one more stand, that's all they need. But I mean, how how much upgrades have been put into Brookvale Oval over the years? That, that's very true, and that's they still. Weird. This year they're averaging twelve thousand seven hundred. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing. The thing is though, it's so out of the way, yeah. so tough to get to. Like, it, it's difficult, you know. Like, it, it, it's really bad, man. I, I don't know why they think they can just keep going back to this pot all the time, and they're going to keep getting yes. Um. Brookvale has struggled for a long time to draw crowds of, you know, between between thirteen and fifteen thousand. Mm-hmm. And if you can't reach that market, I mean, bloody hell! Why why would anyone want to invest money in there and try and upgrade it to make it bigger or better or more fancy? It's it's not getting the bums on seats. There's and no the, return on it. Exactly, and the thing is too, when like I think of a team like the Dragons, and to a, a bit of a lesser extent, the the West Tigers, when they're flying, their suburban grounds are not going to be big enough. Like if the Dragons were doing what the Panthers are doing right now, they couldn't play at Cogra; they'd be losing millions of dollars. They'd have to play at the biggest stadiums. Um, yeah. You know, they, their fans would be locked out of games all the time. Yeah, and that's where it's like if I'm the Dragons, my goal is to be at the point where I have to play games at the SFS. And I choose the SFS because it's a little bit closer. Um, I think it's a better close-in viewing experience than the big Olympic Stadium, which when the Dragons are going well, they can start getting crowds of Olympic Stadium proportions, you know. Um, yeah. The West Tigers even, when they're kicking ass, you know, their finals games – would need to be at the Olympic Stadium. And so why are you putting in... Whereas Panthers, when they're at their very best, I, I feel as though 30,000-seat stadium for them doing what they're doing right now in a finals match, probably the right size. You know, they don't have to be thinking, well, we're leaving 25,000 people outside. We need to move to the Olympic Stadium. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Like that 30,000 seems pretty good for that team so uh yeah yeah the other thing is though once the seal was broken on playing games in different parts of australia not in sydney and for most sydney people it made zero difference because you weren't at the game there's only a certain number of people can go to the game um i wouldn't be shocked if the grand final become a traveling circus and it would be a little bit of a shame. It, <clears throat> it'd be a bit of a lost tradition. But how how much is tradition worth? 
about seven dollars fifty. <laughs> but like, look, if it's if the NRL says, look, we can literally make fifty million dollars on playing the grand final in different places, how do you turn that down? Of course, you can't. Course. You just can't. Um, yeah, but I, I I wonder. I think there's an ulterior motive behind. Um, PVL's threat. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's just about getting funding. I think it is all about trying to drum up a higher price for the grand final. Mm, yeah, I agree. And he's done it before. Yeah, um, and he's, he's using the oldest, um, most abrasive method possible, mm-hmm. um, which is... It's a world you can't go back to too often because eventually it creates a bad relationship between the person you want the money from mm-hmm. and the money. And you're crying wolf on top of it. It's like, oh, yeah, you're going to move it again, PVL? Yeah, we've heard this before. Yeah, exactly. It, it's a it's a diminishing process. It doesn't get any better. It's not, it's not, it's not a positive relationship where it's going to grow funds and stuff in the future because after a while – People will get so sick of it, they'll just go, we're not going to bid for it anymore. Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, you don't have a bidding war. You're looking for the next, you're looking for whatever the highest offer is, and that could be as low as it wants, and you've just got to say yes. And then you've got something like what England has. Yeah, yeah. I, and I guess you also, like I would guess that already the somebody from Victoria has said, well, why doesn't the MCG host the grand final? We can have, like, it's the, we've seen the process before. I wouldn't be surprised if Melbourne suggests that one day Mm. because they still have this belief that they're the sporting capital of Australia. Yeah. And the one thing they haven't had there that's, you know, a big event is the NRL grand final. They've had Origin, they've had test matches, they've got obviously AFL grand final. Um, you know, the big cricket test every year or sort of stuff. They've not had an NRL grand final. I wouldn't be surprised if they lobby for it, even just once. And they'll say, you know what, we're going to have, we're going to show that we're the biggest sporting um, capital in, in Australia. We're going to have all the football grand finals on the same weekend. You know, they'll probably try and get the soccer one there and on a Friday night or some bullshit. Yeah. They'll do everything they can to make all that happen because it'll be marketing and fuck it, we all know that Melbourne's good at PR. Mm-hmm. Drink our coffee, it's the best in the world. You drink, you go, what the <laughs> fuck got, is this shit? We've got the best food in the world. Just yeah. ask us. Stephen <laughs> said that all the graffiti scribble on the walls is art. That's how yeah. good they are at PR. So you watch them make it work. And I wouldn't be surprised if they do it. But you won't see it go anywhere else with that same sort of PR machine behind it. No, look, I and look, I think that's funnily enough. Queensland government can make a really good argument for bringing the grand final up there and all the money it generates around that that stadium. Um, it's you know we'll see what happens, but I, I just at some point the government has to draw the line and say we're not putting money into a dozen stadiums some of which you use half the time at most. Especially after the cops. I mean, how much grief did they fucking cop over the SFS rebuild? Yeah. I don't want to go through that again. And and even more with the uh, Olympic Stadium, where they were going to 
basically turn it into a proper rectangular stadium or put a roof on it and people like it wasn't so much people it was people in the media um i was worried about the panther stadium and look until they start fucking digging the hole i will always be worried about the panther stadium being built um once they start digging the hole and it's all systems go but um yeah it's uh at some point you've got to draw the line you know at some point you've got to say hey we've got to build some fucking roads man there's some goat tracks still that you're gonna we've got to pave over yep um i feel like there was some other rugby league news that we're forgetting well i just saw one here from two minutes ago saying that um Sheens is keen to have Luke Brooks to stay at the Tigers, but he wants him to do it on a smaller salary. Oh, that's nice of him. Is this the guy that come in on the smaller salary to just overlook things and made himself the head coach? On, I'd imagine, quite an increased deal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's nice of him to say that. Yeah, that is nice of him. He, he's, uh... Yeah, this if is... I... You know, if I was Luke Brooks, and Luke Brooks won't do this, he doesn't seem like that sort of dude, I would walk into Tim Sheen's office and say, don't you talk about my fucking salary openly like that, or I'll start talking about yours. <laughs> that would be sweet. It really would. But but you know what? Because I think that that's cunty. But we've seen Tim Sheen's cunt fucking, well, he's cunted everyone this year, hasn't he? So he doesn't care. Yeah, no, he never has. Yeah, maybe he's just at that point in his life, though, where he's just like, fuck it. He, he's getting into those um, Phil Gould years. <laughs> but what he needs to do within the next three or four weeks is get himself a gig in the media somewhere. He does a lot of media, but he's got to start oh, being a commentator. Can you imagine if he did that? Oh, my. I'd, I'd lose it. <laughs> I'd fucking lose it. Like, I've lost it before on his podcast. I would lose it bigger than imagine that. You'd be looking at the Cowboys going, you know what would make the Cowboys attack really good is if you got Tormalolo and made him the halfback and then moved Valentine Holmes into the front row. I did this at the Tigers a few times. It was great. You know, did they win? No. But, you know, it looked amazing. No, it didn't. By the way, that reminds me. I saw a clip from Triple M Radio and they had Aaron Woods on. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've never Did heard he say our... words together, and he just um and ah a lot. Do you know what? He spoke really, really well. It was <laughs> shocking, right? But anyway, he was talking about uh, Nathan Cleary, and apparently, the 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 thing they said was the the idea, the straw man they built, because there's so many straw men built in rugby league. The straw man was that people were saying that Nathan Cleary shouldn't have got as long on the sidelines because of his image. All right. Now, I fucking – I don't know if you saw my tweets about no. Nathan Clear. Oh, my God. I did some tweets, uh, and it was along the lines of the game needs to really think of how it, it treats its future immortals and that the game is poor, basically, for not having him on the field. A lot of people got it. A lot of people got what I was doing. <laughs> some people didn't. <laughs> shows how <laughs> fucking dumb some people on Twitter are. But I did a couple of tweets like that. Anyway, the straw man was that along those lines. And Aaron Wood said that that was a load of bullshit and no, uh, it was a dangerous tackle and stuff like that. And I just thought, like, r- rugby league is a dangerous game when you start talking at your co- uh, talking or calling out your colleagues. And yeah. 
I always remember that there was this rugby union coach, for, and he must have been 25 years ago, and he was an all-blacks coach. And he he used to talk about, and he was in an interview, and he was saying basically, don't say shit about the Australians because, yeah, you might be beating them. Yeah, they might be bad and stuff. But when you give them something to focus on and be angry about, you get a different animal that you should just shut the fuck up about, basically. And and I've always thought that about, remember there was that, and I've brought it up on the podcast before, where uh, I think it was Jim Chalmers, the New, New Zealand Rugby League head at the time, and he said, this is the weakest Kangaroos team that I think we've seen. And that Kangaroos team put the biggest loss on the New Zealand Kiwis on Kiwi soil in their history about six days later. Um, and I just, when I heard Aaron Woods talking about that, I just thought, man, you, you don't do that. You don't give motivation. You know, don't tell don't tell Queensland that they've lost it. You know, just shut the fuck up. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. It's it's the same reason NRL teams don't want to pick their finals opponents. Yeah. Because are you fucking serious? I'm not giving them that motivation. I can't believe that they had that system in place in England. Is it still there? I don't know. They changed their system so many times. I, I I can't keep up with it anymore. They change it more frequently than they change their toothpaste. <laughs> Do you know the toothbrush was invented in St. Helens? Was it a practical joke? No, it was it, the toothbrush was invented in St. Helens. If they'd have invented it in Wigan, it would have been the teeth brush. <laughs> Uh, that's good. That's good. Um, <laughs> there was something else that I wanted to talk about in the footy, and I can't remember what it was. It's lucky that we will be able to record another podcast this week. That's right. Yeah, we'll bang another one out. Um, I don't know tomorrow. Might do one tonight. Might yeah. do one at three in the morning. Yeah. Who knows? The <laughs> world's our oyster now. Exactly. Recording during the daytime. How do you find it? It feels weird. It feels good. I reckon it feels good, though. It probably does for you because, I mean, you get to live back like a normal human again and not on my stupid fucked up clock. (laughs) Anybody that doesn't know, I've basically been living on Andrew's time for the last, what is it, like two years or so? (laughs) Gets a text message at quarter to 12 at night. You're ready to record? The fuck? I'm in bed, man. I, I went to bed last night and I snuggled up and I was like, Oh, this feels amazing. I could just go to sleep. I don't have to think like I gotta I gotta have this many hours sleep so that I'm awake at like between just the hours of nine thirty PM and one AM the next day. It's fucking amazing. I feel like a million bucks. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm a uh let's reveal look, I'm a bit of a weird unit. I don't sleep a great deal. Yeah. I go and do a very physical physically demanding job five days a week. And come home, and most humans would probably go to sleep at a normal hour. I'd stay up until one every morning, then sleep for four hours, and then go back to work. <laughs> and I'm sitting there going, Ricky's not doing all this this hard physical labor. What does he need to sleep for? It's called being fucking normal, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. All right. That's our calling. <laughs> He's all right. 
He okay. complains when he's got to roll over. Oh, that's right. Um, yeah, it's uh, and we used to record just exclusively during the day. So um, yes, before I got this job. Yeah, you bastard. Uh, but but, uh yeah it's good i i need to go back to the tradition which you went straight into getting a macca's breakfast before we start our podcast yeah i've not had macca's for so long and i went um no one else in my house likes eggs and Mm. i went well it's just me here now so i went i'm gonna get some bacon leg mcmuffins just got stuck into all of it Yep. Um, bef- Put it in the order for Macca's and says, how many bacon egg McMuffins would you like? And I said, yes. <laughs> just, how many have you got? Just um, a chain of all of the Uber Eats cars you can get and just have them coming around like it's like you're at the uh, you know, sushi train place. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Um, now, before we go, I just want to give a shout out to Cliff. Cliff got stuck into, I think it was more particularly me, about the uh, the – the suggestions we have on the tipping and who we would bet on in games. Oh, yes, and yes. He was, he was pumped. So it yeah. turned out he was a West I, Tigers fan, though. I, I just saw the uh, the tweet response. I only saw one of them. It was all in caps, and I just replied with, chill, bro. Yeah. And, like, I've always got a I, – I, I didn't reply because, I like, my default, it's terrible. It's a really bad personality trait. My default is, fuck you. Like it's and it's a really bad personality trait, and it's not a good thing. And so I need to chill before I react to people, and that's what I was doing. Um, and he ended up say he ended up apologising. He didn't need to, you know, no. he didn't need to. Um, but he's a Vietnam veteran, and he, he he ended up chilling out, and he was like, oh, I don't mean it and stuff. And I was asking him about what MREs he was he was getting in the Vietnam because I know in the eighties they were eating Vietnam MREs in the army uh, in the eighties and nineties. So I wanted to see if he was getting like cold war shit or something. I don't know, like mm. fucking Korean war stuff. But uh, I just wanted to give him a shout out saying those everything's cool. And you know, it's funny when you get on Twitter and you're pumped about something and you're just like, ah, oh, fucking I'm destroy of worlds. And then like later on, you're like, maybe I was a bit harsh. Yeah. <laughs> No, um, you'll find that both of us have massive respect for, um, yeah, folks who fought for this country. Mm. So, um, yeah, there's definitely no ill feeling there, buddy. Yeah, and it was talk. It was interesting because he brought up something that I knew about, which was they called going into Vietnam a, a policing action. That's right. It, yeah, it wasn't a war. It was a policing action. That's right. And because of that, they don't get uh, the right sort of service medal for uh, being overseas during wartime. and, so and they, they weren't called veterans for a long time. I don't think even the RSL accepted them as veterans until the 90s or something like that. And it was only after a lot of pressure to, to have that done. Yeah, and um, look, it's something that continues to happen to this day in certain situations, and it's something that really should be sorted out. And so when he brought that up, I was like, yeah, it's it's not right that that happened. And it's not right that it continues to happen because people that that serve the country overseas, no matter um, what they want to call it, they should be getting their rightful recognition. Absolutely, they should be getting the um, return servicemen's pension too if they need it. As mm-hmm. 
as we know, a lot of a lot of our uh, young men that went to Vietnam were forced to via conscription. They didn't go because they wanted to serve. Mm-hmm. It's not saying that they were cowards either. Some you know some people know what their capabilities and what their limits are, mm. and some of them are actually helping the country in other ways, be it farmers or, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, or they've got families. You know, heaven forbid a man has a fe- has a family that he cares about. And yet these people have been ripped away from their families and been told to go over and fight people in a war they may not have agreed to. Yeah. Based on their fucking birthday in a lottery draw? Can Fuck. you imagine that? It's, it's crazy to think it's about. It's brutal. And then they'd have different rules for the famous people. Like a lot of football players got called up. They didn't even have to leave Australia. I think I've said it before. Tom Rodonicus went to um, the RAF base in Wagga and was basically pumping up tyres on the planes. Mm, mm. And, and Bob Fulton went overseas for a little bit, but he was just doing PE training for a lot of the uh, new recruits on the beaches, nowhere near the action. Yeah, and that, that's one of the differences between World War Two and most of the wars that come after it is in World on oh, World War One. Sorry, and most of the wars that come after it is in World War One. You saw the sons of uh, politicians dying. You know, mm. in wars, they they soon stop that. They yeah, soon stop that. So, um, yeah. So I just wanted to bring that up because, it, like, I I know I come across as angry on Twitter, and I didn't want him to think I was angry at him. I'm yeah, I mean, totally I thought you were going to destroy him no matter what he said. <laughs> Sometimes it seems like that. It's horrible, man. <laughs> well, he's off to get the shovel. He's already dug the hole. Oh, it's just like. I don't even mean to do it. I feel, I, I feel like Piper just dropping in every day and says, Freaky, just just chill, man. Just chill. But I think, no, you know what? I don't want to go in the hole yet. <laughs> I just, sometimes I think I tweet and I just want to get straight to the point and it just comes across as me angry. It's so weird. I don't yeah. get it. You sit there and you go, hmm, look at this beautiful English prose. Everyone else goes, all we see is, fuck, fuck, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> Screw you. You're dead. Fuck you. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> what can you do? I, I try. I try. I put lots of smiley faces and shit in them now. <laughs> now it just comes across as, you're just fucking wrong, smiley face. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's more awkward than aggressive now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now it makes me look like a schizo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, fella. Alrighty. Well, um, we'll wrap this one up. We've got our preview coming up uh, later on this week. Probably Little about, fellas the, awake. Probably about the same time tomorrow. It'll be good. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're, I'm happy to do one tonight if you want. Uh, can you do one tomorrow during the day? Yeah, I can do both. Okay, let's do it during the day because it doesn't go for very long, the preview. See, look at him. He's backing out of the night ones already. I just want to sleep. He's looking at his bed going, I've got a date with you at six o'clock tonight. Oh man, I gotta get into I like to get into bed at about ten. Fire up Pornhub at about ten oh one. Go to sleep at ten oh two. Fuck you. <laughs> Fucking watching me. Um, yeah, so we'll see. We'll see how it works out. Lovely. Alrighty. Well, people, you can check us out on the socials on Instagram and Twitter at Fergo Freak Pod. We're on LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, MySpace. You know all the drills there. Follow, like, subscribe, all sort of stuff. Make sure you share us around on the socials as well. That'd be fantastic. Um, give us a five star rating and review on your podcast listening app. There's means of them. If you don't have one and you want to find one or you want to find a new one, 
go to our website and you'll find a long, extensive list of all of the uh, apps that you can listen to the podcast on. And I think that pretty much wraps up, doesn't it? Yeah, thanks everyone for listening. Yeah, thanks for this drill, listening to this drill, and uh, <laughs> we will catch you in the next episode. Palmerbet with the big don't argue. Punters will love that. Download our app today and enjoy tackle busting benefits with great odds, more markets, and same game multi every NRL match at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1 800 858 858.